Uh, I came across a quote this week that, that I thought really um, spoke to what we're talking about today, and, and this is in the book, The Prayer of David, and it says, God intentionally allows us to exhaust, exhaust ourselves when we are operating in our own strength. So how many of you have ever operated in your own strength, and how many of you have gotten exhausted? God allows that so that you will depend on him. I want you to think about if there's something in your life right now that's exhausting you, something that is threatening to take you out, something that um, you're ready to throw in the towel, like on a marriage, a career, a friendship, church, relationship with God. I don't mean some minor inconvenience. I'm talking about something is going to take you out. It's devastating your life. You're on a stretcher, and you're headed for a grave in some area. Now, you need to know that that I've got a stretcher today. This is an old one that EMS doesn't use anymore, um, praise God, Um, but they let me borrow this. Uh, and, and so you need to know that in Jesus' day, stretcher was synonymous with coffin, all right? They don't have wooden boxes. They don't have the nice boxes that we have for coffins. In Jesus' day, a stretcher was a coffin. So I want to talk to you about that today. Um, there is something, there, there's something that is carrying you to your death. It may not be a physical death. It's more than likely a spiritual death. Of course, there is a sin that leads to death. But today I'm talking more about spiritual death. It's taking you away from God. It is carrying you to the death of your hope, the death of your peace, the death of your dreams. It is carrying you further and further and further away from the presence of God. Now, it could be a relationship. You know this relationship is, is damaging to you. Everybody else knows it. You've heard it. You've had a sense of dread in your heart that this relationship should end, but, but you're not going to. For whatever reason, reason, you're holding on to that relationship, and it has got you on a stretcher that is carrying you far from God. It could be that you think of Jesus as your buddy, just somebody that you hang out with. It's okay. It's okay. Um, that's my friend. I just met her today. It's okay. So it could be that Jesus is your buddy. You're thinking Jesus is your buddy. He's somebody that should be there when you call, right? You get irritated when you call somebody, they don't answer. You think, well, Jesus should answer when I call, when I want something. Or even worse than that, what's got you on the stretcher could be that you think Jesus is your personal genie. Jesus should do whatever you want whenever you want it. Jesus, fetch me my slippers. Jesus, fetch me a new car. Jesus, fetch me a new job. Jesus, fetch me a pain-free life. If you have that attitude towards Jesus, you are on a stretcher today, and and your spiritual life is being carried far away from God. You're, You're on the way to a cemetery. It could be your sin. It could be your sin. Now, some of you are openly in rebellion, so openly that everybody in your life knows you're rebelling. They know what you're doing is sin. You know what you're doing is sin. You know it's killing you, but you're holding on to that sin if it kills you. And let me tell you, it's going to kill you. But you're not going to let go. Some of you, it's secret sin. You think because nobody else knows because it's up here and you fantasize about something or it's not out in the open, you think it can't be that bad because nobody knows about it. But in moments of clarity, when it's just you and Jesus, you know your secret sin is hurting you. It's got you on a stretcher. It's carrying you far from God. For some of you, it's a wound. Could be a fresh wound, could be an old wound. You've bought into the lie that time heals all wounds. And let me tell you, that's a lie from hell. Time does not heal wounds. In fact, your wounds are festering. They're poisoning you. They're poisoning other relationships. And your wounds have you on this stretcher 
And the enemy is using this stretcher to carry you further and further from God. Whatever it is, it probably came to mind while I was talking. You realize that it's killing you. You realize it's taking you far from God. You realize you're on this stretcher headed for a grave. And you know what you desperately need anytime you're on a stretcher headed for a grave? You need to hear a word from Jesus. And I'm going to give you one today. Now, I need to tell you there's three types of death. This isn't on your listening guide, but, but you need to understand this to understand what we're going to talk about today. There is physical death, and I think everybody here understands physical death. It's when your heart stops beating. You, you are no longer alive when you don't have a heartbeat. There's a second type of death. It's called spiritual death, and that means separation from God. You're actually born spiritually dead. You're actually born separated from God. You're not, you're not guilty of sin because your parents sin. You're guilty of sin because you sin. You have a sin nature. We don't have to teach our kids how to sin. They learn how to sin. They know how to sin on their own. You're born separated from God. Every person here, everybody that's listening on the Internet, everybody in the world is a creation of God, but not everybody in the world is a child of God because you have to choose to become a child of God. The Bible calls that being born again, not born again physically, born again spiritually so that you get spiritual life. Now, if you do that, if you're born again, you never experience the third type of death, which is eternal death. Eternal death is when you die physically, having never asked Jesus to be the forgiver of your sins or the leader of your life. Um, if, you, if you reject God in this life, God is going to honor that rejection in the next life. So eternal death is this. It's eternity separated from God in a place called hell, which you have chosen because you rejected his son. So just as physical death is real and we've seen it, so spiritual death, so eternal death is very real and we find that out in the scripture. Specifically, we learned it in Romans 3.23, which says this, for all have sinned. How many have sinned? All. Let me ask that again. How many have sinned? All. all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Heaven is a perfect place and only perfect people get there. You either get there because you're perfect, because you didn't sin. Scripture just said you sinned or you have to get in on somebody else's ticket who is perfect, that's Jesus Christ. See, even one sin disqualifies you from eternal life. One sin disqualifies you. There's an enemy of God who desperately wants to destroy you. He wants to get you on this stretcher. He wants to make sure you die physically, never having asked Jesus to be the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life, because if he can do that, then you experience eternal death, not just physical death, not just spiritual death. You experience eternal death, and that's the goal of God's enemy. That's why we chose the song today, Death Was Arrested, to, to introduce this today. Jesus actually came to arrest death. I thought that was one of the coolest things. I was at the Y. I was doing a stretching exercise, and somebody put that on as their stretching cool-down song, and I thought, we've got to do this song. Death was arrested. My life began when death was arrested. Now, in Luke chapter 7, um, we're going to look at several verses. just want to tell you about the first part of the chapter. First part of the chapter is when Jesus heals a centurion servant who was sick and about to die. Jesus actually intervened before the servant died, so death was arrested before it could do its work, and that's really impressive. But Jesus is about to take it up a notch in verse 11. Soon afterwards, after he healed the centurion servant, soon afterwards, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went with him. The word Nain means beautiful. Do you see the paradox? They're arriving at the gate of a city named Beautiful, and a dead young man is coming out on a stretcher. Um, where is that dead body headed? It's headed to the grave. He's about to be covered with dirt. It is over. 
And see, the Jewish custom was to have an open casket funeral. Actually, it it wasn't a casket at all. It was a stretcher. And there would be this stretcher made of poles with some cloth across it, and and the pallbearers would be carrying that body to the grave. And and he would be out there for all to see as they come out of the city. And his body was probably covered from head to toe, toe in burial clothes. Anyone who saw this processional and the large crowd with him walking out would know he's what? Is he alive or is he dead? He is dead, and his, his final resting place is just around the corner. Uh, look at verse 12. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out. The only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a large crowd from the town was with her. Um, Jesus did something at this point that would have caused the crowd to gasp. And I don't know if you've realized this. Jesus very often did stuff that caused crowds to gasp. He did things nobody expected. See, in those days, you had two options. If you saw this funeral procession coming out, your two polite options were either you join the funeral procession. They're they're coming out of your town. You may know them. You may have relatives or know them. The polite thing to do is either to join the procession, go all the way to the grave and mourn with them, or get on the other side of the road and get out of the way. Those are your only two options. Jesus does neither one of those things. Jesus does something that no one, especially, especially a respected rabbi would do. First, he walks up in verse 13 and 14a. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, don't cry. Then he went up and touched the beer, which means stretcher. That's B-I-E-R, not, not Coors. They were carrying him on, and the bearers stood still. Now, just leave that up there a second, Travis. If you touched a dead person or anything that the dead person had touched, you would be spiritually, ceremonially unclean for a week. That was the rule for sinful people. Jesus was God's son. He never sinned, so he had power over uncleanness. But he also wanted to demonstrate this day that he had power over death. Death was going to be arrested. Death does not have the final word when Jesus shows up. Jesus showed up at the right place at the right time to come across this funeral procession. And I want to tell you that he's come across your funeral procession today. It's not an accident that you're here. It's not an accident that you're listening to this message. You could have been anywhere this Sunday morning. And if you're watching on the internet, you could be on a thousand different websites, but for some reason, God brought you here. And I believe God brought you here to give you a message, the same message that he gave to the young man in Nain. He's walking straight up to your stretcher today. He's stop, stopping your funeral procession, and he has a specific word for you. Now, before I tell you that word, let me explain this. This young man who had died was the only son of a widow. In those days, widows had no hope. Legally, they could, have no, they could own no property Widows, women could not um, own a business either. So their only hope was their husband or if they had a son, if they were lucky enough to have him. If the husband died, widow, if the son died, then she was going to be disrespected and live a life of poverty. The two people that she loved the most in her life, her husband and her son, were gone and she probably was going to have to beg for her next meal. She had a broken heart and a sad future until Jesus showed up. Now, look what he says. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, don't cry. See, some intellectuals of that day would say, don't grieve because it doesn't do any good. Well, that'd be like using this on a Hallmark card. Don't cry. Tears are a waste of time. Y'all seen that one on Hallmark? Would you buy that one? Please say no, you wouldn't buy that one and hand it to anybody. It it seems very, very insensitive. When Jesus says don't cry, it seems insensitive unless you know what Jesus knew and he was about to remove the source of her sadness. 
when he grabbed the stretcher, the pallbearers stood still. I think it's because their jaws hit the ground, and it's really hard to carry a stretcher when your jaws, you can't move. Because he touched this. They knew they were going to be unclean, but here was a rabbi. He touched it. It's unclean. They can't move. And I think he had a twinkle in his eye because he was about to blow their minds. Here's the word Jesus spoke to that young man that he's speaking to you today. And here it is in verse 14b. He said, Jesus said, young man, I say to you, get up. I want you to say that. I want you to say it with an exclamation point. See, the exclamation point, Jesus didn't walk up and say, (laughs) I know everybody's watching. Uh, Young man, get up. Like he didn't know if it was going to work. He didn't walk up and say, get up with a period. No, he had power over death. He walks up, confidence in the Lord God, his father. And he says, get up. Now, (laughs) I want you to think about um, all the people that were around, right? So there's a big crowd coming out. With, with the funeral procession, there's a big crowd with Jesus coming this way. The big crowds mingle. And if Jesus was a magician doing a magic trick, would you look to see if his mag- what his magic trick was? If Jesus says to a dead man, get up, are you going to be paying attention to what the dead man does? Jesus said, death, you have no power here. Death, you will obey me. Young man, get up. <laughs> look what happens in verse 15. The dead man sat up and began to talk. Jesus gave him back to his mother. Now, can you just see, he had on grave clothes. He's pawing at the grave clothes like some zombie movie, only he's not the living dead. He's as alive as he was before he ever died, and that's a wow moment, and you know the crowds were blown away at that. This get-up is the same thing that Jesus is saying to you today. Whatever it is that has you on a stretcher, leading you away from God, very possibly leading you to a physical grave, but very definitely leading you to a spiritual grave, Jesus says to you today, get up. See, God's enemy wants to bury you. He's gotten you to climb onto the stretcher. He's convinced you that God doesn't care, and that's one of his greatest lies. He whispers, the Bible's such an old book, it doesn't have anything to do with 2018. Besides, you made this bed. You need to lie in it. God doesn't want you. You're too far gone. You're too far dead. You might as well get back up on there and be put in a grave. That's a lie from hell. Right now, Jesus is walking up to your stretcher. He's stopping right there. He's holding on to the very thing that's causing you to go to your grave. He stopped your funeral procession, and he says with an exclamation point, get up. See, Jesus is still this day raising dead people to life. That's the good news of Jesus, the good news of Christmas is that God has resurrection power and he's not afraid to use it. It's not our power that allows us to get up off of there. It's God's power. It's resurrection power that raises us up. And we get this from Scripture. Ephesians 2, 1 through 9 says this. As for you, you were dead in transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. That's the way... It's just a way to say the enemy of God, Satan, the devil. You used to live that way when you were dead. You used to follow the ruler of the dead, which is Satan, the enemy of God, the spirit who is now at work at those who are disobedient. If you're disobeying, you've gotten back on the stretcher. All of us 
also lived among them at one time. Who, the dead people, all of us lived among them, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, what rest? Dead people. We were by nature deserving wrath. We deserve God to cast us into hell. But because of his great love for us, God. Put that together. But God, who is rich in mercy, he did something to dead people. He made us alive. With Christ, even while we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you've been saved. And then the second thing, he made us alive, but he raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Why? In order that the coming ages might, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. You, if you're a Christ follower, are a trophy of his grace. From now, the moment you come to Christ until the end of time, which the, the end of time here, but then there is eternity in heaven. He says, see, here's another one that I raised from the dead. My power arrested death. You're a trophy of grace if you have asked Jesus to forgive your sins and lead your life. For it is by grace. By the way, I, I missed you in the first service. We, we didn't have Miss Katie to just amen and talk to me. And, and I thought, dude, where is Miss Katie? And then I heard her in the second service as we're singing. She gets back there and shouts, and it's awesome. So I'm glad you're here. Thank you, Miss Katie. <laughs> Look what it says. For by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. It is, it is a gift of God. You cannot get yourself off the stretcher. You, you, you don't have the power to raise yourself from the dead. You need someone else to raise you. It's a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. See, here's the deal. Without Jesus, we aren't bad people. We're dead people. <laughs> and even after we, we are raised from the dead, we have this tendency to go back to our deadness and climb back on. And we need God's grace to get us off, off of there because it says when, when we're made alive, when we're brought off the stretcher, the Bible tells us to take off our grave clothes and just like you put on clothes before you leave the house each day, and please tell me you put on clothes before you leave the house each day. Don't tell me if you don't put on clothes. Don't want that. Just like you put on clothes before you walk out the door, the Bible says we're supposed to be clothed with Christ before we leave the house each day. You see, the, the, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the first four books of the New Testament. We call them the Gospels. And gospel means good news, the good news about Jesus. Now, think about this. Being dead is a problem. Would you say being dead is a problem for you if you're the dead person? Yes. If you're a corpse lying on the stretcher, you can't raise yourself. You need someone from the outside to do something to help you become alive again. So the, the good news, the gospel actually begins with bad news. We're all dead in our trespasses and sins, and we can do nothing to raise ourselves up. But the gospel ends with great news, Jesus raises the spiritually dead to life. Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. That's religion. Every religion you see, it says, here, you do these things and maybe God will pay attention to you. Jesus didn't come to establish religion. Jesus came to establish Christianity following Jesus. He came to make dead people alive. It's what makes us different than any other world religion. Accepting Jesus as your forgiver and leader is more than just a one-time decision. I'm not saying you can lose your salvation. Listen to me. It's about choosing to live every day in resurrection power. So think about it this way. We need God's saving grace to make us alive. We're dead. We need saving grace to get us up off the stretcher. But we also need God's transforming grace to make us alive every day. 
to be made alive every day. Think about it this way. First time you come to Christ, that's saving grace. That's a different type of grace than transforming grace. It's like a, a cruise ship. If you're stranded in the ocean, a cruise ship picks you up. Yay, cruise ship, I'm on the cruise ship. But the cruise ship, the transforming grace is it takes you back to shore. You need, you need saving grace to get you off, but you need transforming grace if that stretcher ever slides up next to you again, and it will slide up next to you again. Your enemy will make sure it slides up next to you again. You need transforming grace to stay off of that stretcher. But you also need transforming grace if you're tempted and you're going to be tempted and you give in to that temptation and you crawl back up on that stretcher and say, take me far from God. You need transforming grace to get you back up off of that stretcher. Back to the city called Beautiful. They were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us. They said, God has come to help his people. This news, the good news, the gospel, this news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding countryside. Nobody spent time talking about the dead guy who'd been raised to life. Nobody said, we pledge allegiance to you, former dead guy. We're going to follow you. No, they said, the one who raised you up, that's who we're going to praise. Nobody hopped around the widow who was no longer going to have to beg. Nobody's like, whoa, yeah, we're so happy. Yeah, no, no. No, they were looking at the guy who raised the dead man and gave him back to the widow. And they said, we want to follow him. That happens every time. Every time God saves someone, raises them from dead, or he uses his transforming grace to get them back up. Every time. People don't look at the formerly dead person. If you're looking at the formerly dead person, if you're looking at this preacher or when Casey preaches, if you're looking at us, you're looking at the wrong place. You need to look at the one who made us alive. That's what happens when the Son of God shows up to a funeral procession and sends this empty stretcher back where it came from every time. Now, I love how the, how the message translation shares um, Luke chapter 7, verse 16. They all realized, all the people from the city called Beautiful, they all realized they were in a place of holy mystery that God was at work among them. They were quietly worshipful. This is awesome. At first, they're like, they didn't have words because they'd never seen anything like this. At first, they were quietly worshipful and then noisily grateful, calling out among themselves, God is back, looking to the needs of his people. And the news of Jesus spread through all the country. Last week, um, the band gets here early and we go through the songs every Sunday morning. Last week, we were rehearsing the song, God, is so, God you're so good. And that's one that, that I sing, and, and we get to the third verse, and I'm practicing, I'm standing right there, Rachel's here, Sherry, the rest of the band. And, and we get to the third verse, and my favorite verse, and I say this all the time, my favorite verse, but I'm standing there practicing, and I said, and should this life bring suffering? Lord, I'm going to remember. I couldn't finish the rest of the verse. I just started weeping right there. Because my life has brought suffering. Starting in 2013 with mom and dad and sis dying on the same day. Nine months later, my youngest daughter attempted suicide. In the last 60 days, we have suffered. And I couldn't finish the verse. The verse says, Lord, I will remember what Calvary has bought for me both now and forever. And I was overwhelmed with what Jesus has done not only to raise me from the dead, 
but to bring me back whenever I'm tempted to crawl back on that stretcher. And I actually, I'm crying over there, and Rachel and Jerry start singing, What Calvary? And I'm going, Oh, dear God, what happens if I do this in worship? And I just stood there crying. The reminder of what Jesus has done for me sometimes overwhelms me. And all I can do is cry. Tears of joy, tears of sadness for, for what I've put him through. My, my, he was wounded for my transgressions, for my iniquities. Can I say, if it's been a long time since you've burst out in worship, just burst out in worship, or burst out in tears during worship, or lifted your hands or cried out to God a shout, God is awesome! Can I suggest to you, there's one of two reasons why you don't do that. Either you've never been made alive. Because people who are made alive, they can't keep quiet about the one who made them alive. Or, second option, you've been made alive, you forgot about the one who made you alive, and you went back to your wound or your secret sin, or Jesus is my genie, he's my buddy, or some relationship that carried you far away from God. If it's been a long time, I'm just going to tell you, if you've never worshipped that way, or if it's been a long time, it's because you're way over there, away from the one who raises the dead. And it's time you come back. See, when Jesus first showed up in the city called Beautiful, there was a stretcher of death coming out. And it had been a long time since anybody in Nain, the city called Beautiful, had heard from Jesus. See, the end of Malachi, that's the last book of the Old Testament, to the, the beginning of Matthew, the first book of the New Testament, 400 years God had been silent as part of judgment on people who were disobedient to him. And when Jesus showed up, and he raised a dead man. People started saying, God's back, God's back. Praise God, he's back. Now, can I tell you, God never left. But when you're lying on a stretcher, and you're suffering, it can seem like he's nowhere near you. But this story reminds us that Jesus loves to interrupt funeral processions. He loves to interrupt death. And when he shows up, a stretcher becomes a worship celebration. For some of you, it's time for you to get off your stretcher and to walk back praising the one who raises the dead back to life. Jesus' message is, there's not going to be a funeral for you today. Let him touch you, let him heal you, let him turn your life around. Because you're not getting off that stretcher by yourself. You need resurrection power. And we're going fin to finish this service today a little bit differently. Um, you know, I always ask you to write something on the back and so of your registration card. So I want, I want to do this. And if you feel uncomfortable with this, don't do it. But if you're ready to say to God, the one who heals and raises people back to life, that this thing is, this is what I've been struggling with, I want you to write on the back of your registration card what it is you're struggling with. And as a symbol to God that you're ready for him to raise you back from that, I'm going to ask you to walk during this. 
uh, we're going to play the song, uh, Death Was Arrested. It's okay. Don't, she's our friend, and, and she's okay. I'm going to ask you to walk up during the song and just place your registration card on the stretcher as a symbol of I'm, I'm tired of being here. I'm ready to be raised. Now, if that makes you uncomfortable, the baskets are still out there, joy basket, registration card basket, bagel basket, you do that. But, but when you feel ready, as the song is being played, this is how we're going to be dismissed today. I'm going to pray. We're going to play Death Was Arrested. And then when you're ready to leave the worship center, you do that. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your love and your mercy and your grace. And I thank you that when I was six years old, you raised me from the dead spiritually. And you raised me from the dead when I was 18, when I crawled back up on that stretcher. And when I was 21, and I crawled back up on that stretcher. And when I was 29, and I crawled back on the stretcher. And now that I'm 54, Lord, and I've crawled back up on that stretcher, you've had grace and you've raised me once again. And somebody here desperately needs to hear that message. Keep on raising us, God. And when you do, we will tell others that God is back. God is good. And God's still raising people, dead people, to life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.